bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, as we gather together this day, we pray that in the midst of this Lenten season, you would continue to remind us of what it means when we pray, thy will be done. Lord, again as we journey to the cross, help us to see clearly your Son, our Savior, who came into this world to suffer and die for us according to your will that we might have life. Be with us in this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we explore the whole idea of thy will be done, we want to take a look at what it means to have God's will done concerning our identity. And you may have figured it out from the readings this evening that we really want to take a look at it from a different angle, that is from Mary. Think about Mary. When the angel Gabriel comes to her, she's probably about 14. That's our best guess. She kind of knows what her life is supposed to be like. How at some point in time she's going to marry Joseph. And she, like most 14-year-olds, is probably thinking about how she's going to have children and they're going to grow up and she's going to get to be a mom and a wife and all of those things. We know that she's a, a believer, a faithful uh, young girl. After all, when the angel comes to her, he, he acknowledges that, that she is highly favored by God. But think about what happens. Her identity has changed. She's a young girl from Nazareth who's betrothed to Joseph, and she's going to be a carpenter's wife. Small-town girl, small-town dreams. And all of a sudden, God touches her life and says, Mary, I have something else in mind for you. You're going to become the mother of the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Now it that sounds pretty cool when you think about it. God's changing her identity. She's going to be known as the mother of our Lord. But you see, with that change in identity, it's not an easy one. It's kind of like us in some ways, bearing the identity of Christian in a world that's hostile to the thought of Jesus. But you see, as she begins to understand this implication of what it means to be the mother of the Son of God, she is pregnant out of wedlock. This identity that sounded at first like, cool, that's going to happen to me? 
all of a sudden it's a, it's a burden. Can you imagine? People ask her, I see you're pregnant. Who's the father? God. You think about that for a moment. How would that go over in our world today? I think you need to see a specialist. But yet we get the, some, the same reaction sometimes from people. What makes you tick? Well, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. People are uncomfortable with our identity. We see the child is born, they bring him to the temple, they have him dedicated there. Once again, the affirmation from Simeon that this child is going to be the savior of the world, the salvation for the Gentiles and for the Israelites. And Mary's doing the best job that she can be, even when they have to flee to Egypt and later when they resettle back to Nazareth. She's doing the best job she can to be the best mom that she can because she knows that God has placed this burden, this care upon her. Can you imagine then? When he's older and they make that pilgrimage to Jerusalem and they're there to celebrate at the festival and then they pack up and leave with their family and their friends and they're on a day's journey away from town and they realize that Jesus isn't there. The panic that she must have felt, not just a mom misplacing a child, but I've been given this charge to take care of the Son of God and now I've lost him. Sometimes, as God calls us to the tasks in our lives and we do the best we can and sometimes we feel like I just haven't done it right or I haven't done enough. I've messed up. Your identity is all wrapped up and be the mother of our Lord. And she watches him go to a cross. Where he suffers. And in the midst of that, that struggle of remembering, perhaps those words of Simeon come back to her, and a sword shall pierce your own heart too. Perhaps as she hears the words of, of Jesus from the cross, I thirst, that her, her memory goes back to that time at the wedding feast at Cana when they ran out of wine. Here's her son all grown up. And yet she knows who he is and she goes to him and says, they have no more wine. Now we can learn from Mary how she approaches God. 
You see, so often when we approach God, we approach it this way. They have no more wine. I think you need to go make some more wine or find some more wine or deal with the situation somehow. In fact, maybe you should do it this way. I know there's a guy at the edge of town that has some wine that's getting ready and close. Why don't you go over there with the servants and see if maybe he'll part with it? You see, that's what we try to do with God all the time. We try to tell him how to fix things. How to make it better. We think this will work for me, Lord. Why don't you do it this way? And notice what she does. All she does is lay the problem before him. They have no more wine. She doesn't tell him how to solve the problem. Let's pause here for a second from Mary. Where do we find our identity? Is our identity in, in how much we make? Or what we achieve in work or in school? Is our identity by the number of letters that we can put after our name on a label on the door? We're on our stationery. Identity brings up a few interesting ideas when you think about it. If you're into the comic book world, we know that you have that secret identity. That you can jump into that phone booth and come out someone else. And sometimes I think we as Christians like to behave that way, that we have an identity that's secret. Some people think that their identity is made up of, of how they look. came across one of those funny little quotes the other day, posted by a Christian that said, you know, someday when I die and I'm cremated, I'll finally get that smoking hot body that I've always wanted. Is that our identity? How we look? See, our identity is found in Jesus Christ. Our identity is found in the very God who created us to be the way that we are. Our identity is found in a Savior who redeemed us with His own precious blood. A Savior who by the power of the Holy Spirit has gifted us with life and faith and skills and talents and abilities to live for Him in this world. You see, if we build our lives on what other people think of us, then our life is filled with distraught and worry because, you see, we can never measure up to what the world says. But if we look to Christ for our identity, 
then we begin to understand that He is the one who sets the path before us and He is the one who enables us to walk on that path by His strength when our strength fails. And by His wisdom when we don't know what to do. And to walk by faith when we have no other choice. A woman at a cross... Who sees her son whom she loves dying. Who hears the words, Father forgive them for they know not what they do. Understanding exactly what he's doing. Remembering the words of Gabriel. He will save people from their sins. A mother at the foot of a cross, watching her son die. Scripture doesn't record for us the thoughts that are going through her heart and her mind or what she might be praying, but put yourselves for a moment into her shoes. I have to imagine that somehow her prayer is, Lord, deliver him from this. Much the same words that Christ himself said just a few hours earlier. Take this cup from me. But not my will, but thine be done. And yet here is Jesus on the cross who teaches us that family is bigger than just our blood relatives because you see, he passes over his own half-brothers and turns John and says, John, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. And at that moment in time, her identity changes again. Because maybe, perhaps, for the first time as she hears those words, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, she begins to see him not simply as her son, but as the Christ. The Savior of the world. We live in our identity. The one that God has given to us each and every day. And the prayer that we pray so often, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is the prayer that we should understand this way. That my life is not about doing what I want to do and forgetting about what God calls me to do, but rather my life is all about serving God in some way, shape, or form, listening to His will and putting my life into His hands. And that's the real challenge. To put my life into His hands. To not worry about tomorrow, but to take care of the things of today. I remember as a younger child, 14, to me that's just young. I remember praying, Lord, heal Grandpa. 
You see, my grandfather was suffering from cancer. He'd gone from a 300-pound man of muscle and strength to a 98-pound man of skin and bones. Heal my grandpa. A few days later, he died. And I was okay with that. Because you see, I understood even at 14 that the best healing was for him to go to heaven. And at 14, I understood what it meant to put it into God's hands. And to say, thy will be done. Every day. That's our prayer. My life is yours, Lord. It's yours. You give me my identity. You are my hope, my shield, and my salvation. Thy will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all of our human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the true faith of God in Christ Jesus into life everlasting. Amen.